This is the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast, a podcast brought to you by two physical therapists devoted to helping physical therapists and other healthcare providers become better educators to patients, students, the community, and each other by interviewing prominent and passionate people within the realms of healthcare and education. The Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast is intended literally for educational and entertainment purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based on only one source, and therefore this podcast should not be used as personal medical advice. While care has been taken to ensure accuracy, occasionally mistakes and factual errors can be present, as we are only human. This is our journey on the road to becoming better educators, so get ready with your pen and paper as class is about to begin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. My name is Brandon Pollan, and I am one of two co-hosts. And of course, as always, I am joined by the multi-talented F. Scott Field. And today we have a very special guest to you, a guy who actually just opened up his own business. Today we welcome Kyle Rice, a physical therapist who is now the CEO and founder of the PT Hustle, which is an online-based consultation and board exam assistance service for physical therapists. Now, Kyle, thanks so much for coming on, man. And when I first heard your story, I was amazed at how you were able to pull off the 800 out of 800 on the MPT with all your hard work and from your journey and such. And do you think you could give our listeners a little bit about who you are to kind of give some background? Yeah, definitely. No, the pleasure is all mine, Brandon. I really appreciate you having me on the podcast. Uh, I've been practicing uh, for the past four years in outpatient orthopedics. Uh, you know, I graduated from FIU, Florida International University in Miami in 2013. And since then, I've taken a great interest in orthopedics and manual therapy and spent a lot of my immediate time right out of school focusing on improving my manual therapy skills and going through a, a orthopedic residency with uh, Brooks Rehabilitation in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, but since, uh, you know, I've graduated um, I've been motivated to explore business as it relates to physical therapy. And now I'm the founder of the PT Hustle, you know, helping students destroy the MPTE. Yeah, Kyle, do you think you could tell our listeners briefly uh, about your testing story and, and how you got to where you're at today? Yeah, of course. So, you know, it's really hard to be brief with this story since it starts all the way back with my poor test taking skills in high school with the SAT and the ACT. Yeah, I know you guys have taken those and trust me, I was awful at that sort of thing. Um, but I will say, you know, in regards to test taking period, I just wasn't good. And, you know, it was no exception for the standardized test. And I've really struggled with this issue over the past eight years. And, you know, really standardized tests were that deciding factor for me as far as whether I was going to go to college or not. And I had the same problem in college when it came down to sitting for my uh, MCAT and the GRE. And really, it's these tests that were keeping me now from getting into any graduate school, it didn't really make a difference. Um, and so, you know, as, as far as the MCAT is concerned, I took that test five times. And I would drive to distant locations to take the exam, sleep in the car, outside the testing center, just so no one would know that I was taking it. So I didn't have to you know, tell anybody and I wouldn't be pressured or, or anything like that. And really, I would, <laughs> I would have enough money to pay for the exam and the exam is not cheap. 
I would have enough money to pay for the exam and just the gas to get there. I couldn't even pay for the hotel. Wow. And so, you know, my scores were never truly competitive for medical school. And so I did wind up going to PT school, obviously, with a mission, though, that I was going to become a PT. And then I was going to go to medical school to become an orthopedic surgeon. Crazy. I know. But I did come to the brighter side with no regrets. All right. So, you know, I was actually accepted to medical school um, at the end of my first year of PT school. But then I had already fell in love with the profession. You know, I already fell in love with FIU and my faculty and my classmates. And I wasn't going to give that up. So, you know, I, I definitely, you know, passed up on that opportunity to go to medical school with no regrets. But when I did get into PT school and I moved past that point of, okay, I'm not going to medical school anymore. Now PT is where I'm at. This is what I'm going to do. I knew that there was another standardized exam that I was going to have to take at the end. But this time I was taking a different approach. And of course, you know, I was nervous, fearful in the beginning, but I decided to start 14 months out from the exam and just get it done. And there was a lot of trial and error over those 14 months, but the extended amount of time that I had to prepare, you know, it allowed me to fail a hundred times, hundred times over. And it, it allowed me to, the opportunity to figure out the most effective ways to prepare for the exam. I straight dominated this. I learned the MPTE in and out. I mastered it. And that's really what led to me achieving that score. No, that's awesome, man. And I got to be honest, the more I watch your videos on the PT Hustle online, the more I'm like, man, I wish I would have known some of that stuff when I was taking the test because I think some of it would have had some tremendous value. And I think you bring up a couple good points there. And, you know, and Kyle, for those who aren't really sure about kind of what the MPTE is specifically and kind of how it's broken down, do you think you could kind of give us an overview of kind of how it's broken down and scored? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so the MPTE stands for the National Physical Therapy Examination. And this licensure exam is designed to assess a physical therapist's entry-level competency uh, post-graduation. And really the primary goal of the test is to make sure that the, the individuals who are in physical therapy have the knowledge and at least entry-level competency that it requires, you know, to, to practice PT. So it, it's more to make sure that the community, you know, that our community is, is safe. And so the MPT is a computerized exam. Uh, it's fully multiple choice, no short answers or anything like that. Uh, it's 250 questions, has five sections, 50 questions a piece. But there's only 200 of those questions that are actually scored because the other 50 of them are considered what they call like pre-test questions or pre-tested, meaning that they're just using those questions in order to see if they meet the standards. And so they'll add those in, you know, later on in, in other future exams. So there's only 200 scored ones. Now, physical therapists, you know, when they're taking the exam and they're awaiting the results, they're really waiting for obviously this pass or fail option, but they're waiting to get this scaled score. It's called a scaled score. And so that's what's reported. It ranges from a 200 to an 800 with the minimum passing score of 600. So you might see that a lot. Oh, this whole 600. Oh, did I get a 600 or not? 
So that's that, that, that cutoff point. And so scale scores may seem a little bit confusing, but it's the way the FSBPT, um, also known as the Federation of State Boards of Physical Therapy, uh, they're the ones who developed the test. And it's their way of standardizing the exams. And so what that really means is that, you know, if you have, let's say your January 2018 exam, if you have that exam and the exam's considered easy, then you would have to score more questions right, get more questions right in order to meet that 600. Same thing, you know, if the April exam next year was very hard, then you don't have to score as many questions right in order to meet that 600. So it's just making things comparable or comparable across multiple exams. So, you know, one thing that, you know, comes up a lot is the question of, you know, well, who's making these these uh, questions? And so there's a team of faculty, it's the majority faculty, but there are some physical therapist volunteers who are actually practicing uh, who create these questions. They go through a course, learn how to create them, and the answers are referenced from physical therapy textbooks and the current literature. Yeah, Kyle, just out of curiosity, I mean, it, it kind of sounds a little bit like you, you don't have a lot of control in this. How, you know, how much of that can we control and how much of that is is just, you know up to chance. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, So what you have to do is you have to control the controllable. I mean, you can't lead into the exam as a student um, thinking about, oh, which one of these questions is going to be the ones that I'm going to throw out or they're going to throw out or not. I mean, you, you just have to bring your A game to the test. And like I said, control the controllable, because if you sit there and really think about, oh, is it going to be this one? Is it going to be that one or whatever it is? You're going to wind up what I call burning brain fuel. And you only have enough brain fuel to to get you through a certain amount of the questions. Hopefully you have enough to get you through 250. But by sitting there racking your brain on that idea, you're burning your brain fuel, which will keep you from being able to last through those 250 questions. Yeah, for sure. That's a good point. And, and Kyle, in terms of content with the test, like how is it broken up between like ortho, neuro, cardiac? Like how is all of it broken down based on what we've learned in PT school? Yeah. So, you know, the way the test is broken down, it's, it's, it's kind of staggered, um, if you will. Uh, there's going to be more questions that are coming out of musculoskeletal, neuro, and cardio. Uh, those are your, your major systems. Now, musculoskeletal has the most questions. You may average about 60 of them or so. Um, and it kind of drops down from there. Neuro has a bit less, and then cardio has a bit less as well. Uh, but overall, your major um, chunk of the test is going to come from the big three, the cardio, the neuro, um, and the musculoskeletal. But you also have to look at uh, two other major domains, which is uh, other systems, which includes like gastrointestinal, genitourinary, uh, system interaction. So you have that piece. Um, and then you also have what is known as like non-system domains, modalities, research, uh, wheelchair dimensions, that, that type of thing. Yeah. Kyle, have you heard of any changes that may be happening to the NPT in the near future? Yeah. So, all right. So a minimum of five years, the FSBPT, like I was talking about, updates the content outline or or the content structure of the MPTE. And this is in order to keep up with the changes that are happening in literature. Right. And so 
That five-year mark is coming up. January 2018 is going to be the first rollout of this new format. And so first off, I, I just really want to say, you know, there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of rumors out there saying, oh my gosh, you know, this is new co content format. Um, you know, I, I, you know, you're really going to have to, you know, study hard to study differently because it's a different test. Okay. So there's no major drastic changes on the, ex on this exam like that. Now, there are some notable changes, but it's not like a completely different exam. You know, the uh, whole structure that they had before is gone. No, it's nothing like that. Okay. And this is really happening because the age of direct access and uh, physical therapists being a primary healthcare professional now, and, and really the test is trying to just adjust to that. And so we have to continuously change it. And so, okay, let me give you a little bit of specifics. That way I can kind of calm some of the fears. All right. So a section of the exam currently is cardiopulmonary and lymphatics. They're grouped together. In the January exam, when they roll out the new one, lymphatics will now be its own category and cardiopulmonary will stay together. So you're going to have a decreased number of questions in cardiopulmonary and an increased number of questions in lymphatics. That's really all you have to worry about there. You have other systems, like I was talking to you about before, includes like genitourinary gastrointestinal system interactions. Those all are going to increase in the number of questions. Why? Because we're getting, uh, we're getting patients in our clinic that come in with musculoskeletal type pain and it winds up not being musculoskeletal at all. So there's an increased number of questions uh, for genitourinary uh, and gastrointestinal as far as examination and like I said, system interactions. Yeah, gotcha. So it's kind of like they're going more kind of more of a differential diagnosis route for screening to kind of have more emphasis on that for the new therapist. Is, is that correct, Kyle? You hit it. You hit it. Yep. Awesome, man. Good. And it was interesting, man, especially that'll be good to know for the future therapists that are going to be taking the test. And, you know, now, Kyle, with our, with everyone here, you know, being a, a PT with a few years of experience, at least, and, you know, I'm going to ask you with your experience as being a PT and looking back, and do you feel that the NPTE material tested needs to be modified to better prepare future PTs for the real world? Oh, man, this is a, this is a juicy question, Brandon, juicy um, had to, man. I, had to. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, that's that's interesting. I guess it all depends on how you word it. All right. So since you worded it that way, I would say no, because the the NPTE and I'm saying no, that it doesn't uh, necessarily need to be modified to better prepare uh, PTs for the future. And the reason why is because, I, you know, I really think that the NPTE as a standardized test is serving its purpose. It's supposed to control entry-level competence. Now, it may not do that the way that uh, we would want it, uh, want it to be, like in an ideal situation. I mean, it'd be great to, you know, stand in front of someone and, and go through all these different concepts um, and make sure the person is truly competent. I mean, that'd be an awesome way, but that's just not reasonable right now. And so I think it's doing its 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 job and in the MPTE is a dynamic process it's continuously being modified there's physical therapists that are out there there's faculty members out there that are constantly making these new questions and trying to adapt it to the current literature the best that they can so 
you know, again, there's going to be limitations for standardized tests, uh, and this really could go either way. Um, and I, I get, I get the perspective that it's like, yeah, this isn't really, you know, addressing what it needs to address, but it's like, well, right now, you know, what are our options? But in the future, I definitely think that, you know, changes need to be made. Yeah, that's some good points, Kyle. I, I mean, realizing that you have an entire podcast and website devoted to this, um, and I highly recommend our listeners who struggle with test taking and are worried about the MPTA, go out there and check out Kyle's stuff. Uh, his material's great. Um, we're going to link all this stuff in the po- in the podcast show notes and stuff. But, you know, realizing this varies on a, on a student-by-student basis, what are some of the most common mistakes that students are making in preparing for the NPTE? I, you know what? I would say... Uh, and, and you'll notice, you'll notice that uh, I always give like the big three. I don't know why I like three so much, but it's three. All right. So uh, number one, I would say is waiting to the final couple months to start studying. I, I would say that that is the majority of students. And, uh, you know, obviously you're in physical therapy school and there's a lot of uh, information that's being disseminated. You're learning a lot. And so it's not a lot of time to study. But here's the deal. You, in a sense, are gambling by waiting to those final couple months to start studying for such a major exam. I mean, the most important exam that you will take in your PT career is the MPTE. And you realize that you're gambling by saying that, you know, what? I promise those last two months before the exam, I'm going to start studying. But guess what? Tomorrow's not promised and neither are those two months. So you don't know, God forbid, that something happens during those two months, you know, someone becomes ill in your family, you become ill, and next thing you know, you can't devote as much time as you thought that you would be able to during those two months. So that's one of the biggest mistakes that I see, and a lot of students wind up not studying as much as they should be. Uh, So that's number one. Number two, I would say, uh, is taking the exam to just get a feel for it, all right? And just to see where you stand. And this happens for repeat test takers and first timers. And I I would say that one of the common um, things that I'll hear from students is, oh, well, I don't do well in PT school as far as the first exam that I ever take in a class. I just never do good on that one. And so after I get over that first hump, that first test, I know exactly what the teacher wants, the professor wants, um, and I'm able to do better on the remainder. The, the only issue is that a lot of students underestimate the level of anxiety that occurs once they fail the exam the first time. Once you see that the rest of your classmates are passing the exam and you're the one who didn't, then all this, this anxiety and, and this lack of confidence starts to ensue. That's something I also see quite a bit. And then the last one that I would say is really major is this whole idea of doing the same exact thing, but justifying it that it's different. So if you fail the exam, it is very common for people to say, well, I'm going to read that book more. I read it the first time, but this, this time around, I'm going to make sure I really, I really read it. I'm going to read it cover to cover every single page. And so in a sense, you're still doing the same exact thing you did the first time. Maybe you're adding a little bit more effort in there, but overall your approach is the same. And those students will notice that their score doesn't change very much. Why? Because it's the same exact approach. And so, you know, I I always coach it that, you know, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. And I really hold true to that statement. Yeah, for sure. The phrase, uh, 
insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results definitely seems to hold true for this one. Yes, sir. And, you know, Kyle, kind of with going through some of the um, strategies that students seem to struggle with, what are what have you found through your coaching to be the most effective strategies regarding test preparation, test taking? Yeah. So, again, we'll, we'll go down the three route. I'll give you three global strategies that I use to set students up for success. Strategy number one is utilizing the law of base rate. Okay. And what this really means is that you acquire a good understanding of what is most likely to show up on the exam. Now, we never know what questions are going to be asked on the NPTE. We don't know that. But we do know what the purpose is of the exam, and that is to test entry-level DPT knowledge to ensure safe practice and non-maleficence. So studying topics that are considered the most common in PT practice is extremely effective. And so that's my number one strategy. You have to figure out what those those common areas are and attack that. Don't spend a lot of your time focusing on things that are rare. Second, um, you know, I call this deleting face value software. Okay, so most of us, uh, as we go through PT school, because there's so much information that's being thrown at us, we start to take our information off of face value. We don't question it, we just absorb it. But when you are in this face value mode, you don't get that deeper understanding that you need in order to excel. So strategy number two is is pretty simple. For every topic that you are not, you know, 100% confident, 110% confident about that you know, you need to ask yourself two why questions, at least two about the topic before moving on. You know, why is this occurring? Why is that happening? You know, those types of questions in order to get that deeper understanding. And the last one, which I love, you know, in regards to uh, test taking strategies is this idea of a systematic test taking approach. All right. So let me let me ask you guys, have you ever taken a test and been flustered for whatever reason? Has that ever happened to you guys? All day, every day. (laughs) All right. So, you know, whatever. Maybe the question was just difficult um, and, and maybe you found yourself kind of jumping back and forth between the question and the answer choices all willy nilly. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, I, I'm I'm one of those cliche. Uh, I'm not a good test taker people, so I can definitely attest to that. Yep. Amen. There you go. There you go. You and you and I are one of the same. So. I mean, we all have our test taking strategies that we form over years of just taking different tests. And some strategies are good and some strategies aren't as good, but we still use them. And so learning an effective test taking strategy that you're going to use every single time that you answer a question is a quick way to reduce testing errors. Testing errors like misreading the question, changing answers, skipping over important words, whatever it is. So the systematic approach is when you read the question the same way every single time. And where I come in as a coach is to help the student to develop the the specific test taking strategy that's the most effective for them. Yeah, speaking of the process, Kyle, I mean, obviously a big goal of DPT programs is to have their students pass the NPT on the first attempt, right? For accreditation purposes, for, you know, just general, you know, numbers and stats uh, for competitiveness, you know. Um, But could you maybe walk us through your entire process of helping a student who is coming to you for mentorship and guidance for taking the NPTE? Definitely my favorite part, my man. So, 
You know, a student first contacts me typically through some type of social media platform, you know, Facebook, uh, Instagram, email, whatever. And we set up what I call a free screen, which is an intimate 15 minute phone call where the student speaks briefly about their situation. And I determine if my services have the potential to help them. And once I make that determination, you know, we schedule a full length 90 minute evaluation that includes a practice exam that I use for an outcome measure. And so in the evaluation, I review their school transcripts. We discuss prior history with test taking areas of strengths and weakness in PT school and on the MPTE. We discuss previous test taking approaches that they've done, psychosocial factors, and then only then we progress into a deep analysis of how they answer questions, right? So this is a little different. This is a different approach that I've taken. And what it is, is that I literally give these students questions that they've never seen before. And uh, the student and I go through the questions with me really just sitting back and listening how they operate the question. Where, what's their thought process? What are they thinking? How are they choosing the answers? Which one? Are they bouncing back and forth? I'm looking at all of that. And so it's my goal by the end of this evaluation to help lay out, okay, these are your impairments similar to in physical therapy. These are your impairments. You have problems with knowledge. You have problems with uh, knowledge to application transition. You have problems with test taking strategies, whatever it is. I outline that for them. Now, once the evaluation is uh, completed, we then move into an actual full program where I outline three 90-minute live courses where we address every single one of those what I call impairments. And then you have an additional like four and a half hours of just live one-on-one -on -one time with me to just reinforce things. If we need to go over stuff a little bit more, we do that, whatever it is. Nice, man. That sounds like a good, a good platform there. And, you know, with you being a coach to many students, you know, from start when you've started this up, what have you found to be the most and least effective methods for facilitating effective test-taking strategies in students? All right. So... Uh, you know what? What I would say, should I give you two or three of them? All right, we'll go three. We'll go three. All right. So I'm going to give you uh, three of the ones that, again, you know, I find to be really effective. And I really think that any coach, any mentor, if you're a tutor out there and you're helping students with learning anything, especially the MPTE, I, I find that these are super effective for you. All right. So number one is I build confidence through positive reinforcement. And what I really mean by that is every chance that I get, I'm saying something positive to my students. When a student improves or has a success, we celebrate. When the student fails, we celebrate. It's all about changing the student's mindset from this idea that a failure is a negative. No, a failure is positive. It's knowledge. It's an opportunity to course correct and do something better. And so that's the, the idea that I push. It's like, yeah, you know what? Um, you so-called failed this, but instead of, you know, kind of beating you up like, hey, if you don't get your act together, you're, I guess you're not going to be a PT or I guess you're going to fail out of this program. I mean, the student already feels awful. You know, they, they're obviously trying to make it and they're not. And so by saying things negative or neutral, even that, that doesn't do much for the student. It just makes situations worse. But when you turn your failures into positives, 
that is when you see an amazing increase in the student's ability to just want to push on and push forward and get to that next level. All right, so that's number one. Number two is I activate a student's internal locus of control. And what that really means is that, you know, really with every opportunity I get, I focus on this idea of small wins. For the most part, the students that I have, they don't have a a lot of uh, confidence to begin with. You know, that's pretty much shot. They feel hopeless. Like, you know, this whole MPTE is is really the clouds, the water, the rain, the, the grass, the house they live in. It's everything to them. They have lost control. And so what we need to do is, is start with these small wins. Start with these, these ideas of, okay, you did this right. You studied this and now you know it well. You're able to explain it to me. Small win, boost confidence. Next time, you know, oh, you answered that question right. You were able to use those test-taking strategies and find the right, right answer. Small win, small win, small win. Until that turns into a unstoppable level of confidence, giving them that, that feeling of, you know what, I actually have control. I actually have the ability to study something and it turn into a result, all right? And then the last one I would say is I, I help students become aware of what their current strategy is, what their current approach is. So in my practice, you know, if I've seen that if you really want incredible results, your efforts need to be individualized and they need to be specific to a problem. And that's really physical therapy in general. So when working with a student, a lot of times they don't know what their current strategy is, what the current approach is. They haven't thought about it. Sitting down with a student and helping them to plot out what their current test taking strategy is or what their preparation approach is, is invaluable because how can you change your strategy to something more effective if you don't know what you're currently doing? Wow. Yeah, those are some great points, Kyle. Um, Can you maybe give our audience a little bit um, of any relevant research that you've come across maybe that looked at effective test prepping or taking strategies? Yeah, so this um, this area is really interesting for me because I really love to look at the research um, and see what's currently out there. A lot of research is not necessarily in, you know, like PT and, and improving, uh, you know, PT test scores or anything like that. But what we can do is we can take information from other areas, just like um, Alison Crow 2008, looking at this idea of Bloom's taxonomy. Have you guys heard of Bloom's taxonomy? Yep. Yep. A little bit in the EDD program for sure. Perfect. Perfect. So, you know, I didn't though. You know, I had no idea. I came through PT school. I hadn't had any exposure to Bloom's taxonomy. And apparently they teach this in some elementary schools. I didn't have that there either. So, um, you know, I came in contact with uh, this research study. Again, Allison Crow, 2008. Uh, it, it's called Biology in Bloom, and it's implementing Bloom's taxonomy to enhance student learning. And so what this Bloom's taxonomy is, if you've never heard of it out there, is uh, it's a framework. It's a learning framework, an educational tool that allows a level of communication between the instructor or the professor and the student. And so this framework is composed of it's composed of about uh, six different levels. And so you have at the lowest level, just the basic knowledge of something. 
And then it goes up as far as, you know, the topic becoming more and more complex. So then you have uh, comprehension after, and then you have application and analysis and synthesis and evaluation. So as you go up this ladder called Bloom's taxonomy, up this framework, the level of questioning becomes more and more complex. Your level of understanding has to be better in order for you to answer the questions. And so what makes it so effective is that, you know, when you as an instructor are able to say to your student, okay, now we are moving into a level where you need to be able to apply this knowledge. You need to be able to analyze this this evidence, whatever. Those aren't just words anymore because the framework itself gives you questions that you can ask yourself on a day-to-day basis in order to reassess to make sure that you are actually understanding it. Right now, in any level of education, especially PT, if I ask a student, hey, when's the next time that you're gonna be reassessed as far as your knowledge on something? When's the next time you will have a reassessment of that? Most students will say, oh, well, yeah, it's about three weeks. We have about uh, 10 tests uh, that that are around spring break or whatever it is. You know, we're gonna take these 10 tests and that's gonna be my reassessment. And that's going to determine whether I know this material or not. See, that's too late. That's three, four weeks after you've already just, you know, learned all this information. You need to be reassessing yourself on a day-to-day basis, asking yourself these questions like, you know, am I able to apply such and such? Am I able to demonstrate such and such? And if you are not, that lets you know what level you're stuck at. And then someone can help you. Then you can help yourself. It's like, oh yeah, I know knowledge and comprehension. I'm good on those levels. Soon as I get up to application, like my professor wants me to be, there's a problem. So what are the strategies that I can use to make that change? Bloom's taxonomy out there, definitely check it out. Yeah, for sure. And honestly, that's something I never heard of either until you mentioned it. And I think it's interesting in how that can apply not only just learning as a student, but also, you know, being a practitioner especially being in the real world and how parallel, how many parallelisms there are, you know, with being able to reflect and kind of adjust and see, you know, with a patient, what am I strong at? What am I weak at? What went well? What didn't? Because I feel like that's one of the biggest things that I found for growth that really have seemed to help me go forward. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. You know, and, and Kyle, thanks so much for coming on the show today, man, as we greatly appreciate the insight you provided as I've definitely learned a couple of new things. And, you know, we'd like to ask this question to each of our guests. And the question is, if you could change one aspect of healthcare education, uh, DPT or other healthcare provider related, what aspect would you change and how would you change it? There you go. All right. So I would definitely say that it's, you know, in relationship to, you know, what I was just saying about this whole reassessment. You know, I come from an MPT background as far as helping people with that. And so, you know, I'll speak from that perspective. I would change the number of reassessment points that there are in the PT curriculum in regards to a student's knowledge, comprehension, application of entry-level PT topics and the topics that will be most likely on MPTE. And I'm not saying that the entire curriculum itself needs to be just based upon the MPT and, oh, we, we need to make sure that everything is just MPT, MPTE. No, but I do find it wise to reassess more to determine if a student is on target for performing well above standard on the licensure exam. I mean, and as far as, you know, how I would change it, you know, I'm working with a medical uh, examination company right now to develop, you know, forms of testing 
that can be used to measure a student's progress in PT school. And, and you know, we really want to do just that. We want to see how they measure up, see if they are on target for uh, passing the uh, MPTE. And so I just, I want to test students more often. And I know some SPTs right now just drop their Starbucks on the floor, but yes, I, I do want to increase the number of tests, but with the benefit that if you're not on target for passing, we can get you the help that you need while you're still in school. Because my students right now that I coach will attest to this statement that once you get out of school and you're having problems with the MPTE and, and all that stuff, all that support that you had while you're in school, it's just not the same. They're not there as much. And it's not necessary to say that the, the professors don't want anything to do with you and they're wiping their hands with you. That's not it. It's just you're not in academia anymore. You're not in the environment. And so these people are not just readily accessible to you. So why not get you the help while you have access to professors, your peers, clinical instructors? I mean, you have access to all these different avenues. Yeah. And that seems to sure make a lot of sense, Kyle. And you know, a question, sorry, I know we said that line was the last question, but I kind of thought of one up here, so I'm going to ask you this one. Um, do you know what kind of the stats are regarding the overall pass rate for students on the first time they take it? Like how many percent of them overall pass it the first time? How many of them don't? And- yeah, so actually, um, the, the pass rate for the MPTE is, is in the 90s. And I want to say the last time I checked, it was 92. You might not want to quote me on that. Um, but I do know that it's it's up in the 90s for sure. And uh, overall, people do well. But uh, I looked at a CAPTI statistic, um, and that was back in 2014. There was about 800 students that had not passed it, right? Had not passed the exam. And so it's like, I mean, you guys do the math here. I'm not a mathematician, but you know, my education was close to 100,000. Um, and and Right now, the averages are just increasing over time. So you just add uh, or multiply, I should say, you know, 800 times. I mean, what number do you want to use? 75,000 to say an average for how much a student's paying now? I, I mean, whatever. Do that math there. I'm sure we're up in the millions. So that's a lot of money that's being, you know, just wasted out there, you know, just sitting out there and, and people are not practicing. Yeah, that's that's really some great points, Kyle. And I think, you know, it's probably a great idea to start testing for readiness more more frequent and earlier in the programs, because I think that can kind of get them up to speed, uh, like you said, kind of at a sooner point and, and kind of get them the help they need, like an early intervention program. That's a great idea. Um, sure. You know. Kyle, again, we, thanks so much for your time and coming on tonight uh, to talk with us about this. I'm sure our audience is going to get a lot of value from it, but could you maybe give our audience a little bit of info about where they can find you on social media and online? Yeah, definitely. Um, so um, if any of you out there, whether you're SPTs, DPTs, educators, um, and would like more information about the services that I provide or how I'm trying to change the face of MPTE preparation, uh, you could definitely come Come down and visit me at uh, www.thepthustle.com. Um, always like us on Facebook at The PT Hustle, where I provide live daily videos um, and free content. And then I also have a podcast as well on iTunes called Dominating Test Preparation with Kyle Rice. And I'm looking forward to seeing each and every one of you.
Awesome, man. And I, I must admit, and I must say to our listeners, check out the podcast. It's pretty powerful and pretty good stuff, especially if this is the realm that you're looking to improve and such, because he's got some good stuff. But Kyle, thanks so, so much for coming on, man. Always a pleasure. Thank you for attending class today, and we hope that you learned something and gained value from the content. If you'd like to schedule office hours with us, feel free to add us on Twitter at HET Podcast, on Instagram, HET Podcast, on Facebook, the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast, and the homepage, healthcareeducationtransformationpodcast.com. And for those of you following along in the syllabus, extra credit can be obtained by liking us, sharing us, and leaving a review. Let's continue our journey up Mount Educational Success as lifelong learners.